0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Hurwitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minimen standing at the ready to guard our liberties to storm the beaches of tyranny and foist the flag of liberty once again over these United States of America. This is a brand new week here at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back in the house Monday June seventh, uh, June seventh was actually the day in 1776 that Richard Henry Lee introduced the resolution for independence at the Con- Continental Congress, and which obviously led to July fourth and the signing of the Declaration of Independence the next month. Also, yesterday was the 77th anniversary of D-Day. It's crazy how quickly life goes by. It was like yesterday when I was in elementary school. We used to call these uh, hotlines. You didn't didn't have the internet. So they had these phone service uh, just recordings about D-Day. It was the 50th anniversary. Here we are 27 years later. So few of those national treasures uh, that were part of Omaha Beach. Um, Very, very few of those people left and it is it is scary what has happened to these con- this country in the ensuing 77 years., uh, it wasn't just the bravery of the of the soldiers themselves, but it was th- the values of a nation embodied in those soldiers. Those soldiers reflected and represented the values of the people at the time. Uh, now we have promo videos for our military as contrasted to the promos of the Russian military that are just uh insane this feminist garbage and wimpy whatever um sadly, our military has become a reflection of our people um they storm the beaches here we have a new poll out that says that seventy one percent of Democrat voters think. Healthy people should continue to stay home. We've come a long way from Omaha Beach. Indeed. Now, folks, you are going to get mad, as always, informed but mad on this show. So what better way to sit back, especially late afternoon, um, when you're listening to this show, to have a cup of wine? ConservativeWine.com. It really is a thing. Uh, They import Argentinian wine grown up at 9,000 feet in the Andes. They make world-class 90-point wine. Uh, They are not being protected down there because of the mob. So snap up these wines while you still can. They taste incredible notes of blackberry, dark cherry, leather, smoke. They go great with a steak. I actually like wine better with a steak than even plain. Um, But today, the guys over at conservativewine.com, they have more shipments for you guys. They would like to share them with you, 50% off of shipping and pricing. Again, conservativewine.com, the most delicious wine on the face of the planet. Okay, folks. So, you know, I want to get to some of the lies today told by CDC, get through some of the data to just inform you more for preparation of some lawsuits that we need to file. But I, I just wanted to piggyback off this values issue, what has happened to us. So you see 71% of Democrat voters are st- still want to stay home. It's become a lifestyle. But it's not like Republicans are much better. I mean, at least the elected Republicans. Nancy Mace, Republican from South Carolina, she put out last week, The pandemic kept us all from fully celebrating pride here in the low country in 2020. But hopefully, as we finally begin to open back up, we can all come together to celebrate the challenges of our L, let's make sure I get this, LGBTQ+, so that's a thing. They literally enunciate whatever garbage they put out in the alphabet soup, the Republicans do it. And the bright future ahead, and she has a whole flag with South Carolina and pride. I didn't even know this was a thing. And yet all these Republicans are promoting it. I mean, I'm 36 years old. I just a couple of years ago it was it was like a thing. like you couldn't be a Republican and believe in all the things in Leviticus. And now Republicans take pride. In everything that goes against the Bible. I I just, I I guess I just grew up with a different type of Republican. I, I don't understand this. South Carolina Republican. That's how quickly Republicans adopt whatever the left puts out. Nancy Mace is promoted on Fox News all the time. I talked about her last week. Then you have North Dakota. Happy Pride 2021. This is put out by the North Dakota Department of Health. Click here to find a listing pride events around the state. Do they put out like July 4th events? Then we have the GOP national chair. What's her name? Rona Romney McDaniel issued a statement celebrating LGBT Pride Month Wednesday. Happy Pride Month. The Republican Party is proud to have doubled our LGBTQ support. You, you, got, you can't forget the Q. Support over the last four years. We will continue to grow our Big Ten by supporting measures that promote fairness and balance protections for LGBTQ Americans and those with deeply held religious beliefs. That is the embodiment of what has happened to red states. The embodiment of what has Become of the Republican Party. You know, I mentioned this last week that the dirtbag West Virginia governor, Jim Justice, all these blue states are having vaccine lotteries and they have some stupid thing to win the lottery, sometimes cash. So in West Virginia, you could win the COVID fascism lottery. If you win it, you get a gun or a pickup truck. That is what a red state means. You tweak it with a little bit of culture and you'll have the red state version of COVID fascism. The red state version or the Republican version of the homosexual agenda. This is why we have lost. This is why the Republicans have been pushing a fake fight forever. Fake fight. They have thrown... Thrown the battle, tossed the fight, before it even began. You know, it reminds me of the Atlantic put out this article. Watch what's happening in red states, and I'm reading it and I'm thinking like, if only that were true. And they, so he starts off saying it's not just voting rights. Though this year's proliferation of bills restricting ballot access in red states has commanded national attention, it represents just one stream in a torrent of conservative legislation poised to remake the country. GOP-controlled states, including Florida, Texas, Georgia, uh, Tennessee, Arizona, Iowa, and Montana, have advanced their most conservative agenda in years. And it's a really good article, and he goes through all these things, and I'm thinking, like, if only... But you see, based on what the left is concerned with, that I am on target with focusing on making red states red again and and state legislatures great again. That is our ConstitutionAction.com plan to start Liberty Strike Force teams. Because it is true that relative to before, states have pushed more of a conservative agenda. Because frankly, the last four years with Trump, the red states were comatose because Papa was taking care of us. While well, he wasn't, he's out there today trashing Bitcoin. Um, but anyway, we had a lot of legislation introduced that was very good. But most of the legislation in most states did not make it all the way or got watered down. So, yes, we have good people in state legislators pushing good bills. We need Liberty Strike Force teams to whip the hell out of the Republicans in the legislature and the governors and to focus on primaries to leverage against them to make sure that red states actually live up to their reputation. Because right now they are not. Not enough. So again, it's a very interesting article in the Atlantic. Watch what's happening in red states. They know what matters and where it matters, and that's what we need to focus on. By the way, speaking of which, I just heard a couple minutes ago, if you remember, Ron DeSantis in Florida prohibited cruise liners from requiring proof of vaccination to go on a cruise, and they all sail out of Florida. I just heard that Carnival is going to reroute and dock out of Galveston, Texas, which means that Greg Abbott Invited them in and has made it clear that he will not prohibit them from requiring proof of vaccination. And by the way, Mr. Trump just endorsed Greg Abbott right when we were beginning this primary, first promising primary ever. Red states are not red yet. It's in our power, it's in our grasp. Ronald Brownstein, again, this author at um, The Atlantic, he writes, The other pattern evident in the surge of conservative legislation the continuing separate, is the continuing separation of red and blue America. Amen. As Biden and the Democrats controlling Congress are advancing an ambitious progressive agenda at the national level, almost all the red states are responding with what amounts to a collective cry of defiance on a lengthening list. Of issues, the rules that govern daily life in red and blue states are diverging and at an accelerating pace. The chasm, chasm, chasms are deepening not only between states but within them as GOP legislators centered in predominantly white, rural, and exurban areas more aggressively annul the policy choices of racially diverse, Democratic controlled metro centers. Bill by bill this year's Red State Offensive is measuring the continued continued unraveling of a country that appears to be unrelentingly pulling apart. Amen. It has been pulled apart by the left a long time ago. The question is whether we're going to land a beachhead in a couple of places to reclaim our values. It needs to be a lot more. We need to push it in the special sessions like Texas, they're going to have some special sessions. Every state's going to have a redistricting special session. Then we're going to have next January. We need to make Ronald Brownstein's ominous prediction actually come true. We do need to self-separate, folks. You can't live with such demonic liars, and we're going to talk about that lying in a minute. But one of the ways we're going to self-separate is by freeing ourselves from places like Gmail and Yahoo. Yahoo. Your emails are not private. I've come to learn that this year. Those companies have access to every email you send and receive. Guess what? They're selling your data to the highest bidder. Highest bidder. Um, you know, people like me that send a lot of emails and have a lot of political information on that, they could they could send that out. And then of course, you have, you know, could be social security numbers, medical records, Business plans. Do you trust Google and Yahoo to protect you from hackers and from themselves? That's why I trust StartMail to secure my email. It makes me feel safe again. StartMail keeps my email entirely private. Period. Every email is encrypted. Um, big Tech can't read, scan, analyze, or sell it. And Big Brother can't can't snoop around because. They basically prevent them from ever accessing it. Deleted means deleted. When you delete its email, it's gone forever. Um, They also don't have the parlor problem because they use their own servers. And it's backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. So, folks, I'm telling you, this is the way to go. Switch from spy mail to start mail. I don't trust big tech, and neither should you. That's why I went with Startmail. I'm starting to use it more, so you could email me. Daniel Horowitz at Startmail.com is my new email there. Sign up today, and you also could get 50% off your first year. Go to Startmail.com conservative. That's start, with a T at the end, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com conservative for 50% off your first year. So self-separating is indeed What we need. I wanted to delve through some of the data today on latest stuff on COVID, what's going on here. Truly amazing, amazing news. Friday, they put out, CDC that is, they put out this entire report that all the media dutifully promoted There's a growth in hospitalization among adolescents because they're not vaccinated. All the more so they need to get vaccinated. The timing is always perfect. Whenever they're up against the ropes and they need a talking point, they always get it. New studies show surge in cases. Now, anyone with a brain would think, oh, that means right now, because adults are generally more vaccinated and kids aren't, so right now there is a surge in hospitalizations of adolescents, right? I mean, that that is what they're saying. It turns out that the opposite is true. It's plummeting in all age groups, and certainly among teens, the baseline was extremely low, lower than the flu. I can't tell you how many doctors have put out that they've seen in EDs that treat kids. They're starting to see more like respiratory viruses now, not COVID, (laughs) right? Because COVID ironically boxed out those viruses that more seriously affect kids. And now that COVID's really gone, or really on, 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 you know, very low level circulation, the other viruses are back. So they basically said there has been a surge and one third of them had to go to the ICU and 5% of them were put on ventilators. Until they are fully vaccinated, adolescents should continue to wear masks. And take precaution when around others who are not vaccinated to protect themselves and their family, Walensky, CDC Director Walensky said. Here's the problem. You know what they did? The study period from CDC's report was March 1st to April 24th. They picked the peak date of hospitalizations among all groups recently. Now, mind you, the peak was in December, Okay, It was the winter, the peak for all age groups. So actually, the peak of adolescence hospitalizations, very low in absolute terms. But if you want to find a peak, it wasn't even their study group. It was before then. But no one would have paid attention to the winter. So they had a mini, if you remember, it went down. And then again, like March, April, it went up a little bit again. It wasn't uniform. In the, in the winter, you had the seasonal spread in all 50 states. Then most places reached herd immunity, but you still had a spread in Michigan and the Northeast, if you remember, in the early spring, and now it's gone everywhere, pretty much. So the, they go and they picked an arbitrary starting and endpoint, which you know, to find like an incline, right? You could have like three cases of hospitalizations, and now it's up to five. Oh, it surged! And they pick an arbitrary date. This is what they did, if you remember, with the masking studies. They said, hey, um, we had a a mask mandate put in place and cases went down. And then what happened was in the fall and winter, it surged in those very places. (laughs) So they, they stopped it at an arbitrary date. I mean, anyone could do this. This is an old trick they've been using for the masks the entire time. So they ripped out this trick and they used it. For adolescent hospitalization rates, but it turns out that now they plummeted for for um what is it six weeks since then, it's at record lows. But if you read the headlines, you would think that there's a surge right now, and it's a particular surge among kids because they're not vaccinated. But in reality, the surge among vaccinated over sixty five year olds was even more in March and April. And again, it wasn't everywhere. It was only in those states that had that seasonal, just like last year that early spring spread in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and and Michigan and a couple other states. it's It's unbelievable. Unbelievable the lies that are fit to print. But this is what they do on everything, which is why I said the lie about the Wuhan lab is really the mildest one. But it's the funniest thing. They're like, man, they picked a peak which was actually lower than the late fall, early winter peak among adolescents in every group. So I could do you one better. Um, that's that's with that. and then And then obviously... Obviously, even CDC's own report, they admit as as low as the baseline for number of cases, uh, hospitalizations among kids are, who says all those hospitalizations are real? We know, I mean, a lot of people have heard over the weekend, um, you know, the headline from Alameda County, California, where they announced 25% of the deaths are fake, and it's likely true in every county but as we've mentioned before it's even truer the margin of error is going to be even greater among either low risk groups or in a period for everyone in a period of low spread like today cuz the gap between testing positive and actually having serious cases is is much greater So, you know, let's say it's a 25% deviation among the general population, among kids, it's going to be even greater. According to this very report that CDC was citing, if you read it, they say 46% of those reputed teen hospitalizations during that study period were, quote, not clearly COVID-19 related. So imagine you take half of a very low number. And then almost half of those teens in the observational study where the cause was indeed unclear appear to have been admitted for psychiatric reasons. So it's the panic, the fear that they choose and seek to exacerbate with these very reports that actually led to it. It was the reaction to COVID. It was mental health hospitalizations. We're seeing this everywhere. UK Daily Mail had a whole article out where they surveyed humanitarian organizations, NGOs, and they found that a quarter of the 75 charities surveyed said some children had expressed suicidal thoughts. 41% said some had been abused at home during lockdown. So that's where it's coming from. In the U.S., CDC reports, listen to this, I want you to understand just the context of COVID hospitalization numbers among teenagers. CDC reports a total of 1139 deaths, right? A little more than 1,100 deaths of COVID under the age of 25. Now, they already conceded in a separate report, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that 30% of those deaths could not plausibly be linked to the virus. A lot more probably weren't either, and most of them were dying. There are those those rare kids that don't live beyond childhood because they they're born with certain things. I mean, you have you have those deaths every year, so really it's only like eight hundred. So let's call it about eight hundred under twenty five COVID deaths. Do you know that at that same time period there were over twenty five hundred non. COVID excess deaths for that same cohort meaning the panic hysteria drug overdoses suicides likely killed 3.5 times as many teens and young adults as the virus but now they're taking the lockdown panic inducing response deaths and counting them as COVID deaths to sow more panic and treat kids like lab rats and shove the, the poison on them. And by the way, if you haven't listened to Friday's show, this is our last episode, with Dr. Ryan Cole about the spike protein being a toxin, make sure you listen. That, that was amazing information, as always, from Dr. Cole. It doesn't take a forensic investigator to realize that there has been a plethora of teenagers in the hospital due to the lies overstating the threat of the virus to them. So naturally, at a time when COVID is increasing in all age groups, a certain percentage of those young adults will test positive for the virus. Accordingly, any subsequent death from any of those teens who tested positive, whether he or she died from drugs or suicide or anything, will be recorded as a COVID death. We, already, we saw this already in May there were a pair of studies out from California published in the American Academy of Pediatrics. One was conducted by Stanford researchers that examined 117 reputed COVID hospitalizations among under 18 population in one Northern California hospital. They found that just 7.7% exhibited severe illness, 12.8% critical illness. And overall, 45% were classified is unlikely to be caused by SARS-CoV-2. So to begin with, it's all a lie. The second study published in the same journal found in America's fifth largest hospital, it was also in California, that among patients younger than 22, 40% had incidental infection. Only 47% were potentially symptomatic. And just 14% were significantly symptomatic. Now, you would think If you're a young kid and you died of COVID, it would have had to have been preceded by an observation of significant symptoms. Only 14% of them were observed as having significant symptoms. And then, of course, 90% of those significantly symptomatic had at least one comorbidity. That was also in the study. So the twisted irony here is that CDC is lying about COVID hospitalization trends in order to get children to vaccinate, when in fact, vaccine-related hospitalizations are greater and also are on the rise today. That is a current trend. You could not invent something more Orwellian than this. Dr. Monica Gandhi, an infectious disease specialist at University of California, San Francisco, so she tallied the data on the VAERS, you know, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, She looked just at myocarditis, so nothing else, just myocarditis, and found that the hospitalization rates for myocarditis post-vaccination among 12 to 17-year-olds is currently 12 times greater than the hospitalization for COVID among 12 to 17-year-olds. How come our public health experts are not concerned about the current alarming trend of the very thing they are pushing? While promoting a fake trend of COVID hospitalizations. Who will defend our children. That is how much they're willing to lie to promote revenue for Pfizer and Moderna. It is truly disgusting. Truly disgusting. But you know what? There is one good thing to come from the vaccines. Because the political science of promoting revenue sometimes will discover the real science. So again, a lot of you have seen by now, Alameda County, California reported that 25% of its previously reported 1,600 or so COVID deaths, about 411, I think, were bogus. And again, there's no reason to believe That number is unique to that county. That's where they did the audit. But what's funny is CDC recognizes this when it comes to the vaccines. Now they're applying a different standard of recording COVID deaths and hospitalizations when it comes to breakthrough infections of those who had the vaccine so remember remember when we had all this panic porn about breakthrough um of those previously infected to get it again and they were like able to find three cases or something and they made a whole trend out of it and since then you never heard anything because the data is just ironclad on that Do you know how many lives have been destroyed by this case demic and tested positive And then that leads to, you know, someone's hospitalized with a car accident, but they test positive. Oh, that's a COVID hospitalization. If they die of trauma, well, that's a COVID death. Well, they can't exactly harm the reputation of the vaccines with the same way of counting COVID. So they changed. Emma Woodhouse is one of the um, writers at RationalGround.com. And she sent in a private email request to uh, CDC, their, um, what do you call these dudes? Their research team, um, I forgot what they're called, but the team leader of their, uh, CDC's vaccine breakthrough team. So they have a team monitoring the number of breakthrough cases, meaning people who are vaccinated, they get the proper dosage of a CDC approved vaccine, and then they they get another case. So on March 28th, they put out a report trying to show how the cases were relatively low, the breakthrough cases, and they said they only found 10,262 breakthrough cases. And then they divided up the breakdown of like, you know, how many were hospitalized, dead, and they found that 27% of the breakthrough infections were asymptomatic, 10% went to the hospital, and 2% died. Among the 995 hospitalized patients, 29% were asymptomatic or or hospitalized for a reason unrelated to COVID. Okay? The median age of patients who died was 82 years old. 18% of decedents were asymptomatic or died from a cause unrelated to COVID. Now, Emma spotted that in the report, and she was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. When did we ever see CDC attempt to delineate between, you know, quality of hospitalizations and deaths, meaning not all of them are created equal, whether they just, like, died of causes unrelated, but they were designated as COVID because they were tested, or they really possibly died from COVID. So she emailed them with a request, a press inquiry, in- inquiry and said, because um, she wasn't sure what they meant by or, were they saying that asymptomatic and those from died caused unrelated to COVID are two separate cohorts, or is it the same thing? They were defining asymptomatic as died unrelated, because if you didn't have symptoms, it can't be that you died from it. And it turned out that they were two distinct groups that they count as unlikely to die from COVID. One is you're asymptomatic. Number two, you were symptomatic, but clearly you didn't die from it. You died from, you know, car accident, drug overdose, you name it. So they answer and respond to her in the affirmative. And they say, yes, they are two separate groups that we combine together. Thank you for reaching out. In many cases, it is challenging. Just look at this admission when it comes to the, vaccine breakthrough team in many cases it is challenging to determine the relationship between a SARS-CoV-2 infection and the reason someone was hospitalized or passed away wow they finally recognize that 15 months later as it relates to the vaccine for that reason our report only gives information about cases we know are not related to infection We combine both those people who are asymptomatic, as they are unlikely to be hospitalized for COVID-19 if they do not report any COVID-like symptoms, and those people whose outcomes were clearly not related to COVID-19, for example, women who are hospitalized for deliveries or people in car accidents. We do not feel the data is strong enough to say what percent of hospitalizations and fatalities are caused by SARS-CoV-2 infections. Therefore, we only say what percentage are clearly not. And, And that Let me tell you, that is an accurate way of doing it because you could start from the other ends of the spectrum and say, look, we know 30% were clearly not. Out of the other 70%, probably a certain amount weren't either, but we can't determine it. That's basically what they're saying. And that is the real science. And that is how we should have been governing this virus all along, focusing on serious symptoms, focusing on ivermectin, focusing on treating it. Not just putting everyone into one pile because most people get a cold. Some people get a flu. It's the serious cases you want to focus on. We never in our life focused on asymptomatic or colds and even flus. We never focused on that. We never stopped the world for that. And they're admitting that that's the way they're going to function as it relates to breakthrough cases of post-vaccination. But somehow... That doesn't apply here. Just think about how they're treating this. Some of you heard this story over the weekend. John Ram, he was leading the Memorial Golf Tournament by six strokes. And then he got back test results that he's positive for COVID. He had to pull out of the golf tournament. So he was so sick that he was six strokes ahead of everyone in the golf tournament. He had to test to find out he had it. Local media criticized him for not being vaccinated. But the irony is what they don't realize is CDC admits that you can get asymptomatic case, even a symptomatic case rarely, but asymptomatic case post-vaccination. But they have no problem with cases like John Ram, where it's asymptomatic, and you're just positive based on the result of a PCR test. It's only if you're not vaccinated. Could you imagine the degree of lies that we are being told? So it turns out the vaccines are ending the pandemic, just not in the way we thought it would. It's ending the phony accounting because they can't ruin the reputation of the vaccine. And speaking of reputation of the vaccine and shoving it on children, is a remarkable story out of the times of Israel study finds one in three young teens had COVID fueling debate over the need for the vaccine. The reason folks this is very important is because the, the, the gap between kids and adults is the greatest in Israel because in Israel, it became an obsession to get everyone vaccinated. But until recently they weren't available for teens. So you had a huge, you know, you know, I'm not saying it's 100%, but close to 100% vaccination rate for the adults and 0% for kids until it was approved. And they figured, and, and what happened was all along, kids weren't getting the virus. Not just not getting sick, but they weren't even, because they test like crazy there, and they weren't even finding cases. So they assumed just kids didn't really get it. But no, they got it. Nearly one-third of young Israelis who became eligible for COVID vaccines today have already had the virus new data has indicated, raising questions about the necessity of the additional vaccination campaign. It's a higher number than we expected, and we understand from this that widespread immunity among kids has been supporting Israel's wider herd immunity. Dr. Arnon Ethik, deputy director of Sheba Medical Center and advisor to the coronavirus czar, told the Times of Israel. According to another expert, Professor uh, Mordecai Gerlach uh, from Tel Aviv University's Center for Combating Pandemics, the data suggests that there's some type of herd immunity among young people, at least right now, which partly explains why there are hardly any outbreaks among school children, despite school studies having resumed w- weeks ago. Yeah. It's funny how they're admitting that in Israel... It's like what we said all along. The drop in cases wasn't because of the vaccine. It was because they reached herd immunity. They got slammed right before they came out with the vaccine. They had a massive winter spread. It's a small country. Reached everyone. The proof is in the pudding with kids. Kids aren't really testing positive anymore because during that winter spread, they probably, enough of them got it. They've herd immunity. The vaccine had nothing to do with it. It was all herd immunity. It was all herd immunity. This guy, Gerlich, he thinks that the new data, which indicates many are already immune, should prompt a policy rethink. This supports the idea we don't need to rush to vaccinate kids. He said, noting the high vaccination rates among adults had brought coronavirus spread to an all-time low, which he's wrong about. But at least, even in Israel, where this guy is so gung-ho about the vaccine... Even there, they, they're starting to recognize no need to vaccinate kids. And, and in a separate study we've cited many times, they noted no need to really vaccinate those with prior infection. Very important article there out of Israel, if you want to check it up. Times of Israel study finds one in three young teens had COVID, fueling debate over need for vaccine. There's one more study I want to share with you, one more piece of information Previously vaccinated. This was done by the Cleveland Clinic Health System. So they looked at all their employees and maybe some um uh some patients as well. They had fifty-two thousand two hundred thirty-eight employees, 2,579 previously infected subjects remained unvaccinated. Okay? So they looked at they they had um They had a control group. They had about 2,500 people that were previously infected and were not vaccinated. They confirmed that. And they had about 22,000 that were not previously infected. And they found, I'm sorry, not one of the 1,359 previously infected subjects who remained unvaccinated had a SARS-CoV-2 infection over the duration of the study. Not one. Not one. Okay, they said, vaccination was associated with a significantly lower risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection among those not previously infected. Okay, significantly lower risk. That was the vaccine. Among natural, naturally infected, it was zero. Zero. Conclusion, individuals who have had SARS-CoV-2 infection are unlikely to benefit From COVID-19 vaccination, vaccines can be safely prioritized to those who have not been infected. This is the Cleveland Clinic, one of the most respected medical systems in America. And yet, we are still being lied to. Lied to about natural immunity. Lied to about the vaccine. Lied to about kids needing to get the vaccine. Lied to about seasonality and herd immunity being the major factor. Everything is a lie, and that is why we indeed need to self-separate as a nation. We cannot live with people who are willing to lie to the point that they are going to destroy human life. And this is really why we need to make Ron DeSantis of Florida the standard. And any Republican governor that's not at least as good as that, well, we should look for someone better. Um, because this is what it's about. If you notice, <clears throat> Ron spoke over the weekend <clears throat> about freedom. He spoke at this big uh, <clears throat> festival they had or whatever. I forgot the name of the event. But the point is, he talked about freedom over fa- fau fau-chism. fascism. And that's what we need to do. We need to make it cool again. He made a culture in Florida that if you operate as a business is what you're going to do, which is why Carnival is going to Texas now, ironically, to promote their fascism. But if you had all the red states doing that, it would force them to make a choice between high taxes or promoting the culture. And to a certain extent, some of their cultural stuff, now it's grown a like really pretty much a life of its own, but it was more practical, pragmatic, that there's only one side that emphatically cares about values, and that's the cultural Marxists, so they kowtow to that. But if you make it that to operate in these states is the opposite, it's going to change over time. I think he's shown that as a blueprint. Now, the remaining time we have, I just want to switch gears to crime. That's another big part of a culture of a red state that's not red yet that we need to create. It's a remarkable article here from the New York Post. Unbelievable. I, I mean, when you hear your friends, if you have liberal friends, talk about gun control, I want I want to bring this up with you guys. This is from last December. I've just noticed it now. But they had an amazing stat in there that I wanted to pull out for you in light of everything we're seeing with crime. 88% of those caught with an illegal gun In 2020, we're back on the streets by December. 88%. Again, in New York City, with very rare exceptions, no one could carry a gun. Except if you are a criminal and you assault people with it, then you can carry it. That is the story of Blue America. Now, in Red America, you could carry one, but the second half of it is true. The criminal also, we don't enforce the laws against them. That is something that really needs to change. I wanted to share with you, I mean, I don't have time to start getting into this now. Maybe we'll do some more crime stuff later this week. But there's just one story in particular among the many I see every day that stood out to me is from... um, People magazine of all places, police in Indiana have identified the four victims who were found murdered Wednesday morning inside a Fort Wayne residence. According to an arrest affidavit obtained by People, the body of 26 year old Nicole Zent was found kneeling next to a bed where police discovered the bodies of her three children, ages five, three, and two. So a mother and her three sons, or maybe. Two sons and daughter were were found face down on the bed. The affidavit alleges Con Bennett Hans Baron 21 strangled Zent and stabbed her numerous times. Her children each died from multiple stab wounds. And this guy was arrested a little bit later. Um And he was found, like, with scratch marks on his neck and wrist, which indicates that the victim probably tried to scratch him when he was strangling her. So they're pretty sure they have the guy. And basically, as I mentioned, this guy had been sentenced to six years in the Indiana Department of Corrections in February after being convicted of robbery. I mean, six years sounds pretty reasonable for robbery. Guess what? He served zero time in jail. It was all in home detention. Okay? And now he wiped out a mother and three children. A mother and three children. Now, as is usually the case, he was involved um with her he was a former former girlfriend and i see so much of this throughout the country a former wife or girlfriend where you have an abusive stalking guy and they violate their protective orders and everything like again this is such an opportunity both guns and violence against women those two issues where we've allowed the left to co-opt it and we could slam it right back on them. They're the ones who let out the gun felons. They're the ones who allow you know violent uh, men who are who are, you know have exhibited a past of violence against women to just be let out. And he was on an ankle monitor. yeah, ankle monitor. Those things work really, really well. So Ronald Brownstein of the Atlantic talked about this torrent of conservative legislation in in red state legislators well we need to live up to that this is indiana super is there indiana has a major jailbreak problem major jailbreak problem so what are we going to do about that so anyway let me know if you have ideas cuz i'm going to put together a list of pro-victim anti-criminal legislation to introduce in special sessions, the next session. But this is happening everywhere. Everywhere. You know, it's not just the blue states. Keep that in mind. Obviously, in the blue areas, it is pretty crazy. Um, There's some statistics out of LA, you know, with that crazy DA they have there. In May of this year... There was a 95% increase in murder, 7% increase in rape, 13% increase in aggravated assault, 40% increase in grand theft auto, 22% increase in arson. This is relative to May of last year. So if we really want to show the contrast, we need states like Texas and Indiana to demonstrate that contrast. But we're, we're, we're really not seeing that. We're not seeing that anywhere. So when you look at everything going on after 15 months of COVID fascism, a year of BLM, piggybacking off of years of jailbreak policies, you don't need to broach the tough issues like Medicare and Social Security to win back hearts and minds. These issues, the press releases, the campaign ads write themselves. We just need people... And a party and a movement that actually shares our values. And like what we started the show with, when you have prominent Republicans promoting pride in licentious behavior, in anti-biblical behavior, where does that leave us? It's not surprising that a generation of Republicans and fake conservatives that have embraced the homosexual agenda initially embraced blm embraced criminal justice reform and embraced masking and covid fascism that issue in particular i believe has rotted out the core of our people as i've always said we need to preach to the choir we need to strengthen our own people it doesn't take a majority you need an irate minority the left has proven that and if you do that we could take back significant portions of this country it is in our hands. Anyway, this is the baseline of what our shows look like. Um, if this is your first time tuning in this week, so we have a show every day packed with information sent to 50 of your friends, relatives, coworkers. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help um, push back against the uh, algorithms and the censorship, the shadow banning. The more support we do get, although with that comes scrutiny, but you know, we're all for that here, folks make sure to stay informed stay safe and most of all stay free